Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. So it was about 1995 when the church where I was serving at the time asked us, Diane and I, to take a trip to Europe to visit some missionary couples that were struggling. We had three different missionaries in Europe, Iceland, Germany, and Austria. All of them were having hard times for various reasons, and they needed a little pastoral attention, a little pastoral care. And so Diane and I said, sure, we'll we'll go and we'll do that. We spent some time in Iceland, and then uh, early one morning we got up and got on the plane from Iceland uh, down to Luxembourg uh, where we spent a few hours touring the walled city in Luxembourg. And, and then um, we got another plane from Luxembourg that was to take us to Munich, which was our next destination. In Munich, <clears throat> we had friends, Paco and Bessie Batres. They were members of our church, but they had been assigned for a couple of years to work in Munich. And so uh, we were to stay with them, and that would become our hub of operations while in the mainland part of Europe. Uh, We would go from there out to the Black Forest in the west part of Germany and then down into Graz, Austria, uh, south of Munich. And and, uh, so that was going to become our hub of operations as we made those various road trips to see the other missionaries. So that meant that we were arriving in Munich late at night, uh, you know, probably eight-ish in the evening, so it was already dark. This was October, and uh, we had the most daunting part of the journey left once we landed in Munich because it meant that we'd have to get a rental car and then find our way from the airport to our friend's home. And you think, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, remember, this was 1995. There were no cell phones. There, were, there was no GPS. And so what did you use back then? MapQuest, right? So we had gone on the computer and we had typed in the Batres address and saw, okay, here's the map now from the Munich airport to the Batres front door. And you know MapQuest, pages and pages and pages of, of map. And, and we're thinking, we're, we're already bone tired. It's dark. Uh, we're traveling on streets we've never traveled before in a car we've never driven before, uh, looking at uh, you know, road direction signs in an unfamiliar language, and we're supposed to now follow a crazy MapQuest uh, map to our friend's home. And so we got our, our, our uh, we went through passport control first, and get, then got our luggage, and went through customs, and as we're coming out of customs, we're looking for the signs for the rental car desk, and there was a guy standing there in a business suit holding up a sign that said, Ritter. And we're like, what? And we walked up to him and said, well, we're the Ritters. Are you here for us? He said, yes. I'm Mr. Batre's driver, and he gave me instructions to meet you here. Uh, I'm going to take you to 
the rental car desk, we're going to get your car, and then you're going to follow me to their house. Well, can I tell you what a relief that was? What a beautiful thing it was to meet this gentleman in a business suit with our name, and we put our luggage in the back of his Mercedes, this beautiful Mercedes, and, and he drove us to the rental car area, and we got our Fiat, and then tried to follow him in our little Fiat, you know, through the streets of Munich, out into the suburbs where the Batres lived, and he took us all the way safely to their front door. What a treat that was. Don't you wish you had somebody who could do that for you through life? You know, somebody who could just take you unfailingly through all the twists and turns of life all the way safely home. We live in very confusing times, don't we? With voices shouting at us from every direction about how we should live our lives. Social media all by itself has muddied the waters significantly. And trying to find your way through life these days is like trying to follow MapQuest directions in the dark, following road signs in a language you don't understand, driving a vehicle you've never driven before on roads you've never been before. And the bad news is we're raising children and grandchildren in perhaps the most confusing time known to humanity. But the good news is that as followers of Jesus, we have a personal GPS that can lead us unfailingly through all the twists and turns of life. But sadly, very few of us consult it or even open its pages. There was a study done by the American Bible Society. Apparently, they do the same study every year. And they said that in 2011, the percentage of Americans who used the Bible at least three or four times on their own outside of a church setting was around 50%. Now, what they meant by that, three or four times a year, uh, what they meant by that, you use the Bible occasionally, they meant, they meant that was like three or four times a year that people outside of church would actually open a Bible. 50% of Americans, maybe three or four times a year, say they will open a Bible. Uh, now, that statistic stayed the same in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21. And then in 1922, uh, 2022, 2022, just last year, it suddenly dropped from 50% to 39% in one year. And daily Bible reading among Americans dropped from 14% to 10%. And the people who looked at those statistics used adjectives like dramatic, precipitated, unprecedented. There was an 11% drop in the number of people in the U.S. who sometimes pick up a Bible or look at a digital Bible, and 4% drop in those who read it daily. Americans are reading the Bible less and less in a time when we need God's direction more than ever. Now, in the early part of 2 Timothy chapter 3, we've been working our way through 2 Timothy, Paul's letter to his younger protege. In, in the early part of chapter 3, as we saw last week, Paul warned Timothy that in the last days, things will go from bad to worse. There will be a lack of love and and a deterioration of family life. There will be increased violence, and genuine godliness will undermine, be undermined by mere religion. <clears throat> and what will keep us from being sucked into all of that as things go from bad to worse? Well, for one thing, Paul now, in the last half of chapter 3, holds himself up to Timothy as an example. 
An example to follow, an example of one who has persevered, who's gone through a lot of bad stuff. And so we begin in chapter 3, verse 10, with Paul saying, You, however, Timothy, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. He's saying, Timothy, you've been through it all with me, thick and thin. You've seen the good, you've seen the bad. You've seen how I've endured. Timothy joined Paul on his second missionary journey, and on that journey, he watched as Paul was persecuted at Iconium, at Antioch, at Lystra. He saw how Paul endured those persecutions and yet persevered. He's traveled with Timothy off and on, or with Paul rather. Timothy has traveled with Paul off and on for the last 20 years. And he has seen Paul in all different kinds of situations. He has witnessed firsthand Paul's willingness to persevere in the face of suffering. And he's saying, Timothy, follow my example in this. As things go from bad to worse, you hang in there too. You persevere. You've seen how, it, how to do it. I've shown you. In fact, Paul goes on to say to Timothy, you should expect to suffer too, Timothy. What you've seen me endure is pretty much what you must expect in days to come as things go from bad to worse. And he says in verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know, as things go from bad to worse these days, as the world seemingly goes crazy, as Pastor James talked about last week, if you are a follower of Jesus, don't expect to be popular. In fact, you can expect that people are going to be angry with you. They, they're going to turn against you. They, they may even persecute you, as our brothers and sisters in India are, are experiencing at this very moment. Uh, and, and he says, while evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, you go on living a godly life, knowing that you're going to have to endure persecution. But what's really going to help you get through the worst of times is not just the example I've set for you, but that you stay true to the Word of God, Timothy. He says in verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned to become and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul, knowing that he won't be around much longer, and that he won't be able to set an example for Timothy much longer, says to Timothy, I want you to know that even after I'm gone, there's a dependable guide, a a guide for life that will always be available to you, even when I'm no longer around. Timothy is already well acquainted with the Scriptures. His mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois taught them to him from the time he was just a child. And because of that, he has experienced how the Scriptures make one wise for salvation. From the first book of the Bible to the very last book of the Bible, it all points to Jesus as that one upon whom we must depend for salvation. And now Paul goes on to persuade Timothy that he can rely on the Scriptures not only for salvation, but he can rely on the Scriptures to guide him through all the twists and turns of life, all the way safely home. And so Paul says this, and these are the verses I really want to concentrate on this morning. All Scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You see what he's saying there? He's saying the Bible is our surest guide through life. And somebody says, but it's so old. And I would say, yeah, it's so old that its truths are timeless. And somebody else might say, yeah, but it's, it's just a book. And I'll say, you know what? Many of us have found it to be the Word of God that is active and alive and transforming lives to this very day. We've experienced it for ourselves. And someone else might say, yeah, but it's so restrictive. Who'd want to live by such, such a strict standard as the Bible? Well, you know what? Those who've taken it to heart have found that its teachings have set us free. But don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourself. I mean, if you're going to go on an adventure, like let's say you're going to go mountain climbing, uh, you're, you're going to be smart to hire a guide to take you up that mountain, don't you think? Not to try it on your own if you're not terribly experienced. And so when you hire a guide to take you up a mountain, you're going to say, well, what are this guide's qualifications? Does this guide really know what he or she's doing? How many times have they been up that mountain? And who else have they taken up that mountain? How many times have they taken people up the mountain and brought them safely home? And how many people have they left up there? You know, let's, let's find out the qualifications of the guide before we, you know, actually engage this guide. And so we'd be well to ask, well, what are the qualifications of the God's Word <coughs> to be our guide through life? <clears throat> and Paul says here in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that God's Word is our, our surest guide through life because it, it fulfills three of the most important qualifications. At least that's what I find here. Here's qualification number one. It is God's Word speaking to us. It is God's Word speaking to us. It says all Scripture is breathed out by God, or some translations put it, all Scripture is inspired by God. All Scripture is God-breathed. He breathed these words. They come directly to us from Him. Now, it's kind of hard to imagine it today on a hot, humid day like this, but before long, it's going to be chilly outside. And when you go outside on a chilly fall day and you breathe out, what happens? You see your breath, right? Yeah, you, there's this mist that forms as your hot, warm breath hits the cold air and condenses. And when you, you do that and that little cloud comes out of your mouth, you can point at it and say, that's my breath. It came from me. Well, as surely as that mist coming out of your mouth comes from you on a cold fall day, this proceeds from the mouth of God. These are God-breathed words. And God-breathed words are weightier than other words because he's the creator. He's the king. He's the ruler of the universe. And words that come right from the top should not be ignored. These words are God-breathed. They are inspired by God. Now, when we talk about the inspiration of Scripture, we're not necessarily saying that these words were dictated by God. Although some of them were, there are several places in, in the Scriptures where God says to a prophet, sit down and write these words. And the prophet sits down and he writes those words, you know, word for word. They're dictated to, to the prophet by God. 
But when we talk about inspiration, we're not always talking about dictation, but rather we're talking about that amazing process whereby God the Holy Spirit worked in the lives of 40 or so different authors such that as they wrote over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages on three different continents, they penned one story that was perfectly consistent from beginning to end and captures exactly what God wants to say to us. Who could do that but God? These are God-breathed words. All Scripture is breathed out by God, and the net result is that we can trust it all. Notice it says all Scripture is breathed out by God, not just some of it, but the whole of it and every individual part of it. I mean, think about it. If we had to kind of pick and choose through the Scriptures and, and decide, well, that's from God, but I'm not sure about that, and, and this other part, yeah, maybe that's from God, but not sure about this other part, well, it, it would be hard to trust it, wouldn't it? Much less to, to view it as authoritative <clears throat> for our lives. Fortunately for us, all Scripture is God-breathed. You, know, you may resist the notion that the Bible is our surest guide through life, or that because it's all God-breathed, it has indisputable authority to direct our lives, but consider this. If it is from God, it'd be pretty foolish to ignore it, wouldn't it? I mean, think about outside this door right here, mounted on the wall right outside that door, is an AED, an automatic external defibrillator. Say that three times. An automatic external defibrillator. And it's there for people who might suffer a cardiac event while they're in the building. And it's intended to help somebody whose heart has stopped to to bring that heart back to life and into sinus rhythm. Marvelous devices. Now let's suppose I, I have a, another heart attack and this time, instead of just having chest pain, my heart stops. Well, I hope somebody will go out there and grab the AED. And you'll notice that right on the AED device, it says, call 911. So please do that first. Call 911, then get the AED down, open that thing up, and follow the directions. These things are amazing how they'll lead you right through the whole process so that somebody who's never used one of these devices before can successfully revive somebody and start their heart again. But please follow the directions. Um, you know, so let's say somebody grabs the AED and, and he um, brings it over. And he says, looks like Dave could use his heart to get started again. Um, let's, uh, let's use this thing. And somebody else is saying, well, here's the directions. Let's follow the directions. And the guy says, ah, nah, let's just put one pad here and one pad here <laughs> and hit the button and see what happens. You know, it is foolish to ignore the manufacturer's instructions, Right? And if that's true of an AED, how much more foolish it is to ignore the manufacturer's instructions for our human existence. And I'm convinced that's why so many people have such messed up lives today, because they're trying to live their lives without the benefit of the Creator's guidance. Don't you owe it to yourself to at least check it out? The Bible is our surest guide through life. What qualifies it to be such? Well, qualification number one, it is God's Word speaking to us. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Here's qualification number two. It has practical benefits for our lives. It has practical benefits 
for our lives. Notice it says all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, beneficial, advantageous, that word means. It is profitable for four things. Teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You know, I say, well, I'm not sure how practical all that is. Well, look at it this way. First, it says God's Word is profitable for teaching. And in the King James Version, you'll see the word doctrine. And some of us will say, oh, doctrine, stuffy old doctrine. Well, the word teaching there that is sometimes translated doctrine is simply positive teaching for life. It's, it's showing us the way to go. That's really what that word means. All Scripture is God's is God-breathed and is useful for showing you the way to go in life. One of the greatest needs we have is to make sense of this life, right? I mean, God gave us the Bible for that very reason, because the Scriptures answer all the most important questions about life and our place in the universe. I mean, think about it. These aren't just the opinions of smart people, but these are the words of God. This is re reality as God knows it to be and has revealed it to us. And so in this book, you'll find answers to questions like, who am I? What am I doing here? What's my problem? What's your problem? Uh, how can we solve our problem? How can I get the most out of life? How can I be sure to live forever? How can I be a true friend? How can I make the most out of being single? How can I be sure to have a great marriage? How should I raise my kids? How should I manage my money? How can I get along better with my boss? How can I prepare for old age? How can I be sure I'm going to heaven? Man, that's teaching, right? That's showing you the way to go in life. As over against how, you know, we sometimes look at subject matter as stuffy and boring, I think about my my um, geography instruction in junior high. I had a great social studies teacher, Mr. McLean, tried his hardest to make you know, things like geography interesting to us. But I mean, come on, when you're in the seventh grade and you're, you're learning about Italy, you know, it's like, all right, Italy. Italy is a country in Southern Europe. It's on the Mediterranean Sea. It's shaped like a boot. The capital of Italy is Rome. The chief export of Italy is lasagna. You know, you're memorizing bare facts. They don't mean anything to you. But what if you learn that you're going to Italy? And all of a sudden, the, the knowledge and studying of, of Italy takes on all kinds of new dimensions to it. You, you go online probably these days, and you go on TripAdvisor. You know, back in the day, we'd go to the bookstore and get a Michelin guide. And by the way, that's still probably not a bad idea. Those Michelin guides are amazing. Probably now you find them online. But, you know, I would, when I was going places, I would get a Michelin guide, and I'd be pouring through that thing. And, and, you know, what are the best places to see and the places to stay and what kind of food, you know, you can find in each of the cities you're going to visit and what's the currency and what are the customs. And, and you're just learning now with a whole new sense of fascination, right? Because you're going there. Well, guess what? You're already on a journey. You have no choice but to take. It's a journey called life. You're going there. You're already on that journey. And this is the Michelin guide for that journey. This is the book you need to show you how to get the most out of that journey. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, showing you the way to go in life. But beyond that, here's another benefit. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and for reproof. That word means rebuking. 
So if teaching is showing me, you know, the way to go in life, then rebuking is warning me when I'm getting off track. It's telling me that I've gone off course. Rebuking means to speak disapproval or to reprimand, and nobody likes to be rebuked, which is why maybe so many of us avoid the Bible, right? There's D.L. Moody who once said, either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And if you find that you've been avoiding getting into the Bible of late, it may be because you know there's some sin that, that this book will confront, and that's why you're avoiding it. I like the story about a missionary who was distributing Bibles in a remote tribal area to people who'd never had the Bible in their own language before. And uh, so as he's giving out Bibles, you know, people are taking them and, and reading these Bibles you know, with great fascination. One tribal leader came back a few weeks later with the Bible. He said, here, take it back. I don't want it. And the missionary said, well, it's yours to keep. He said, I don't want it anymore. And the missionary said, well, why not? He said, because every time I read it, it kicks me. Well, you know what? The Bible might give you a stiff kick in the pants. In, in this era of anything goes when nobody is allowed to rebuke anything about anybody about anything, God still cares enough about us to give us a kick in the pants when we need it. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful, beneficial, profitable for teaching, showing you the way to go in life, rebuking, that's warning you when you're getting off track, and then it's profitable, thirdly, for correction. That's helping you get back on track. The, the idea here is of helping for improvement or literally restoration to an upright path, uh, to a right state, setting the misguided on the right path again. My son and his wife, when they were first married, moved to Fargo, North Dakota. Now, we were living in Minneapolis at the time, and we thought Minneapolis was cold, but whoa, Fargo was a whole other deal. And they had a little Honda Accord that they were driving in those days, and they discovered a thing called black ice, you know, where you're driving along and you can't see it, but the road surface is frozen and you hit the black ice and you lose any control whatsoever. And there were a couple of times when they spun off the road into a snowbank. Well, fortunately, you know, North Dakotans are friendly people and they usually carry chains in their vehicles, four-wheel drive vehicles. And so they usually found that there was somebody ready and willing to, you know, hook them up and pull them out of the snow and get them back on the road headed in the right direction again. That's correction. And that's what the Word of God will do for us. It will help us not only know the way to go in life, it'll warn us when we're getting off track, and then it'll show us how to get things back on track. The Scriptures are profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and then for training in righteousness. There's the fourth practical benefit of God's Word for our lives. If uh, teaching is showing me the way to go and rebuking me is warning me when I'm getting off track and correction is helping me get back on track, then training in righteousness is showing me how to stay on track. And the word here that is used in the original language is paideia, from which we get our English word pedagogy. It's a word used of rearing a child. and It talks about training chiefly attained by repeated discipline or correction. You know how it is training your children to have good manners? How, how difficult that can be? And so they start off, you know, doing horrendous things at the dinner table, and, and you rebuke them, and then you tell them how to do it right. 
And the next night, they do the same thing. And you rebuke them, and you tell them how to do it right. And, and you do this for like, I don't know, 16, 17 years in hopes that <laughs> when they go on their first date, they won't embarrass themselves, right? That's a process of, of training, you know, rebuke, correct, rebuke, correct. And you do it over and over again. God's Word has that effect in our lives. It rebukes us when we're getting off track. It corrects us and helps us get back on track. And then we get off track here and it helps us get back on track. And, and over again, over and over again through life, we, we find ourselves rebuked and corrected, rebuked and corrected. And, and through this constant process of rebuke and correction, we are trained in righteousness to stay on track. Boy, the Bible has all these amazing benefits for our lives. And, and that's why the Bible is our surest guide through life. It's God's Word speaking to us. It has practical benefits for our lives. And then thirdly and finally, it produces extraordinary results in one's life. Extraordinary results. So all Scripture is God-breathed, is breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for re- proof for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now we know that the the Bible, first of all, is what leads us to salvation. That's what Paul made reference to in verse 15. Uh, He talked to Timothy about how the from childhood you've been able to be acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's one of the most marvelous transforming results of God's Word in, in a person's life. In the Bible, we learn of God's love for us and how when we rebelled in our sinfulness and were deserving of God's judgment, God loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross to take the penalty for sin that we deserved. And not only that, but God raised Him from the dead victory in victory over sin and death so that By putting our faith and trust in Jesus, we can have forgiveness of sin and the assurance of eternal life with Him. All of that we learn about from the Scriptures. We wouldn't know any of that except for this book. So it's the Bible that, first of all, leads to salvation, and then the Bible leads us from simple faith to maturity. And that's where verse 17 comes in, that the man of God may be complete, not just saved, but complete, equipped for every good work. Literally, it says, with the result that complete might be the man of God for every good work equipped. The word complete there has the idea of being proficient, being well adapted for one's task, capable of meeting the demands of the situation. Would you like to be proficient for life? Up to the demands of the situation you face, well adapted to your task in life, then you need to be in the Word of God. The Bible equips us, it says, for every good work. And good works are what we're made for as Christians. You know, Paul is very clear in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're not saved by good works, but we're saved for good works. We're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus. He says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And the place where we learn how to do good works and how to truly please God is in His Word, in the Bible. In a world that is increasingly confused about how we should live, it is those equipped with God's Word who will know best how to do it. Philip Hale wrote about a little village in France called Les Chambons. 
And unlike other villages in France, this village hid their Jews from the Nazis. Hale went there wondering what sort of courageous, ethical heroes he would find living in this village. And as he went around the town interviewing people, he was overwhelmed by their ordinariness. They weren't heroes. They weren't especially smart or discerning people. And so as Hale interviewed them, he found that they all had just one thing in common. They had been attending Sunday after Sunday after Sunday a little Protestant church in their town, and they all had been listening to the sermons from the Bible of their faithful pastor, Trochme. And over time, they became, by habit, people who just knew what to do and did it. They were equipped for every good work. And when it time, came time for them to be courageous, on the day when the Nazis came to town looking for all the Jews, one old woman says she faked a heart attack. And then she told the interviewer, Pastor always taught us that there comes a time in every life when a person is asked to do something for Jesus. And when our time came, we knew what to do. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the question is, what will you do in response to all of this? If you are already a faithful Bible reader, you know, you get into the Word of God on a regular basis, I just want to say, keep it up. Keep up the good work. You know, you've already experienced what benefits you're deriving from being committed to the Scriptures. Just make sure you're not only taking it in, but you're, you're living by it, right? You're obeying it. Now, you might be sitting there saying, you know, there were times in my life when I, I was regularly reading the Bible and taking it in for myself, but I've kind of gotten away from it. Well, I'm calling on you to recommit yourself to get back into the Scriptures for yourself this week. Now, maybe you've never been much of a Bible reader. And you, you say, well, I've never really had a habit of, of Bible reading or getting into the Bible much for myself. Well, this is a good time to start. Make a commitment to read one chapter a day for three weeks from the Gospel of John. That's a, a great place to start. A lot of people will say, well, I don't even know where to start. Find the Gospel of John, read one chapter a day for three weeks, and you'll get through the whole Gospel and your eyes will be opened to the person of Jesus in a way that you've never seen him before. I guarantee it. Read one chapter a day from the Gospel of John. Not only will you get all the way through the Gospel of John, but we're told that something, you know, when you do something consistently for three weeks, there's a good chance it'll become a habit. So give it a try. Uh, read a chapter a day from the Gospel of John for the next three weeks. Um, and now you might be saying, well, all right, but I'm not much of a reader at all. I, I just don't like to read. Well, then listen to the Bible. You know, if you uh, pull out your cell phone and go to your app store, you can find something called YouVersion. YouVersion is an amazing free tool that will make the Scriptures available to you in several different translations. We typically use the ESV or the English Standard, trans, uh, English Standard Version here. 
Um, but most of those versions, when you bring them up on version, they'll also have a listening option. So you don't even have to read it. You can just hit the button and it will play it for you so you can listen to it. I guess what I'm saying is there's no excuse. Just get into the Word. Just get into the Bible. And by the way, there are some really great Bible plans, you know, for, for reading through the Bible, like I'm doing one on version right now that's read through the New Testament in a year, and every morning it brings up a, a certain portion of Scripture, and if I, if I read that and I'm faithful to do that, it'll take me through the New Testament in a year. The last two years, Diane and I have done a Bible reading plan called Bible Recap, which we highly recommend. Um, it'll take you through the whole Bible in a year. You read like two or three chapters a day, and then uh, there's a podcast by Tara Lee Cobble that kind of summarizes what that scripture reading was about, so it helps you not only read it, but kind of think about what was in that, that part of the scripture for today. And, and if you do that faithfully for, for, three, uh, for, uh, for, the, for the, you know, the year, you'll, you'll go through the entire Bible in a year. I'm telling you, however you do it, these days there really is no excuse there are all these amazing tools available to us that will help us get into the Word of God for ourselves and, and to benefit from it. And I'm telling you, taking in God's Word will change your life for the better, and you don't want to miss that. The Bible is our surest guide through life. It's in these pages that we, we find the victory over the confusion of the world. And, and what better guide could you ask for in life than one that has indisputable authority, one that yields comprehensive practical benefits and produces extraordinary results? You know, we hold in our hands the most marvelous book ever penned, inspired by God, living and active, able to lead to salvation, to transform our lives and equip us for every good work. So I'm pleading with you, cherish it, read it. Study it. Hide it in your heart. Let it guide you through all the twists and turns of life, and it will take you safely home. Let's pray. Lord, you have given us such a treasury of wisdom and knowledge. We are just so grateful today for the Bible, for, for the Scriptures inspired of God. Thank you for speaking to us so clearly in the pages of Scripture. And Lord, we confess that, that we often haven't availed ourselves of this marvelous resource the way we should. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to each of our hearts here today, whether we're avid Bible readers or, or we've never picked the book up. Help us each to make decisions here today that will lead to us availing ourselves of the Scriptures on a regular basis so that we can experience what we've been talking about here today. So many of us can attest to the, the benefit of Scripture reading in our lives. We've been changed by it. We've been transformed by it. We've been encouraged by it. We've been fortified by it. We've been guided by it. And Lord, I pray that all of us here today would experience those benefits Lord, may the people of Bayside Chapel always be a people of the book, people who are, are faithfully reading and studying your word, letting you, through your word, guide us home. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.